The LA Clippers have had one of the most tumultuous roller coaster seasons in their history. And that's saying a lot given the Clippers' history. But with recent news coming out about Marcus Morris being benched, what is really going on behind the scenes? What has happened this year? I've tried my best in the last few days to put my best journalistic cap on and try to talk to as many people as I can. And in this episode, I'm going to try to get to the bottom of it. That on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team, every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri. In my 18th season as a Clipper fan, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for more LA sports and Clipper content. And of course, Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to comment. Whose side are you on? The front office or Ty Lue? And by the end of the episode, you will know what I mean. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by the pro basketball or the pro, Jesus Christ, the ultimate pro basketball GM app. It's the coolest game I've played in a long time where you can be a GM and make all those kind of transactions and moves that a GM might make. But let's get into it. In this episode, I am going to recall incidents from throughout the year in chronological order. We're going to break down those incidents and we will come out with a couple of conclusions in each segment. I want to preface this before I get into it, that a lot of this is just word of mouth through this year and through my last couple of years being, uh, I don't even want to say a media member because I'm not. And I want to make that very clear that I'm not a media member. I don't hear from directly inside the organization more often than not. And the things that I say on this podcast may or may not be true. I've been told a lot of things from different people, and I will be telling you what I've actually heard from people and then piecing things together to try to form a conclusion. So what I say here is not law. I want you to try to take what you can from it, but this is just a viewpoint that could be happening, okay? And it's not just me wondering things randomly. If, if I didn't hear anything, I would not be getting on here. And of course, journalistic principles, I'm not going to sit here and out my people. But let's just say the people that I've talked to have not been wrong yet. That doesn't mean things aren't subject to change though. But let's get into it. And mind you, I, I am a journalism major at the end of the day. I'm not just a guy that jumped on YouTube and started talking. I do have a degree. Like I'm not just going to get on here and talk nonsense. But let's get right into it, right? Before this season... It was very clear, and this is what I've been told, and we've been it's been doubled down on, and I don't think I have I'll have much convincing. I'll have to do much convincing. But Ty Lu and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George wanted a point guard. Wanted somebody that's known as a traditional point guard, whatever that means. Hence the Clippers signing John Wall, even though they already had two backup guards in Luke Kennard and Norman Powell. So I don't think I need to do any convincing there that Ty Lue wanted a point guard. I think we all know that's true right now. But the front office, 
And you can tell by the statement that was made right before we got Russell Westbrook by Lawrence Frank saying we don't want somebody that can get played off the floor and we want a guy that can shoot. Lawrence Frank and Jerry West believe in positionless basketball. Ty Lue doesn't fully believe in positionless basketball. So that's the first takeaway I want everybody to go get through their minds. Ty Lue does not believe in that. He was a point guard. He sees the game from a point guard's lens. He won the championship with LeBron James, who obviously isn't a true, he's not a point guard, but he's a point forward. But the point guard that they had was Kyrie Irving, who even though he isn't a traditional point guard, he's a score first point guard, he is still a guy that's 6'3", listed at the point guard position, and at the time, and even now, is considered one of the better guys that plays the point guard position in the league. Obviously, this, is, this can't be an episode about the evolution of the point guard position, but the point is, no pun intended, Ty Lue wanted a point guard. Hence the reason they went out and signed John Wall. Now, if you remember, when I first came out on Locked On Clippers doing episodes, talking about the rotation, I said it's going to be a little tricky because when everyone's healthy, we have a logjam at guard because Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, and John Wall, none of them can really guard. And immediately, because Kawhi Leonard wasn't healthy to start the year, you got to see a lot of that, a 10-man rotation and whatnot. And remember, Robert Covington got signed in the offseason for $11 million a year. I sat in front of Jerry West before the season, a little sit-down, and he talked about Robert Covington. He, Lawrence Frank also talked about the length, the switchable size. It's clear, it's clear that they had a certain outlook for this team that was wing-heavy. Guys like Terrence Mann, guys like Robert Covington, Nico Batum playing a lot. Ty Lue, maybe not as much. And part of the reason why they didn't go and get a backup big is because they know that Ty Lue likes to play small. We've seen that work in the playoffs. And, you know, he was planning on playing Robert Covington and guys like Nico Batum at the backup five and have Moses Brown and Musa Diabate just for added insurance, just in case. Now, we always said, was that a questionable move? And absolutely, it was a wrong move. Now, I don't know who to put more of the blame on between the front office and Ty Lue for that, but let's just say they both had a hand in it because that's what I know. So that was a mistake, not having a backup big. But in the beginning of the year, you saw very quickly that that small ball lineup with three guards that can't really guard was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. So then that led to Robert Covington starting to be bench. And if you recall, in the beginning of the season, the first two or three games, we were wondering, who is the 11th man? It was Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann only played like three minutes against the Lakers on opening night. And then after a couple of games of realizing that Terrence is good and obviously Kawhi being injured, Robert Covington then became the odd man out and has gotten 26 DNP coaches decisions as of this episode on Wednesday, March 28th. Is it March 28th or 29th? 29th. He has gotten 26 DNP coaches decisions. Now, I do not know how many games he's barely played in terms of garbage time, but I counted 26 DNP coaches decisions, which tells you everything you need to know about the way Ty Lucy's Rocco relative to other guys on the team. So, as the season went on, we were starting to deal with issues 
with players that can't really guard, mainly Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. And mind you, I don't want to seem like this has been an easy job for Ty Lue to have Kawhi Leonard have that setback early in the year where, you know, he only played two games and then was out for like 10 straight. And then obviously Paul George and Kawhi getting injured during the same homestand where Kawhi twisted his ankle and then PG had the hamstring injury. So then you had neither of them playing. That is not easy for Ty Lue. For guys to keep coming in and out of the lineup, he needs to try to figure out rotations. It's not been easy for him. But our gripe the whole season has been that there are still players that clearly deserve to be playing more than others. And that's when we found out that Ty Lue just sees the game from an offense-first lens. He prioritizes guys like Marcus Morris, like Reggie Jackson. He always talks about spacing, always talks about playmaking. It's a very offense-first kind of approach. And then when we heard Joey Lynn, beat writer for SI Now, talk to Ty Lu and ask him about wing lineups, Ty Lu said to him straight up that I like having a point guard out there. I know you guys like wings. That immediately, and I've referenced that quote so many times on this podcast, told me that Ty Lu is a guard-first coach with an offense-heavy approach. But the front office, the way they've positioned this team, the talk before the season was all about switchable big wings that can guard. Now, I understand that Ty Lue doesn't want to fully buy into the small ball when Kawhi Leonard's out, so that's why we were going with a lot of Moses Brown at times throughout the first half of the season because we really needed that off the bench. We were getting crushed by bigs like Jock Landale, and you know I, I, I can go back and forth and go throughout all of them about all the bigs that were crushing us off the bench. But when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George returned against the Charlotte Hornets in early December— Ty Lue finally stopped going with the three-guard lineups. He saw that it didn't work. Now, in my opinion, he should have seen that before the season even started because we all saw the Celtics destroy the Brooklyn Nets with their guard lineups of like Seth Curry, Patty Mills, and Kyrie Irving all playing at once and getting destroyed. Now, the difference with the Nets, and if you're a Laker fan, you'll remember in the beginning of the season, they were playing a lot of three-guard small lineups. They didn't have a choice. We have wings that have been sitting on the bench just watching, like Robert Covington and obviously Terrence Mann not playing as much. So we get Kawhi and Paul George back. And remember, we rattled off a couple of wins in a row. Clippers were 21-15 and after that win at Toronto. And it seemed like things were going okay. Mind you, Reggie still not playing very well. And Marcus Morris, not so great, even though he started the season well. But it's okay for now because we have Kawhi Leonard back and that paper's over the cracks. We were 21-15. and then the six-game losing streak happened, capped off by the loss to Denver, which was absolutely embarrassing. And remember, I want to say this too. The front office, the medical staff, Ty Lue, everybody has had this, compl- even the players, everybody has had this complacent approach all season, despite the injuries, that they can still just tinker, they can still just, you know, be very cautious with the players and their health. Because the regular season doesn't matter. That's the vibe that they've given off, what they've said. I'm paraphrasing. They haven't obviously said that directly. But Kawhi Leonard actually did. He said it's not about the regular season. It's all about the playoffs. And all season long, that's been a theme from this organization, that they aren't prioritizing regular season wins. Like a game against Cleveland on the road. We didn't need to sit everybody out. A lot of things have to happen before Jason Preston starts. And when Jason Preston and Brandon Boston get that many minutes in a game, same with Musa, that means everyone was rested. That's what they call now in the NBA punting, which is basically I'm down to lose on purpose, for lack of a better word. 
So the whole season, especially capped off in that Denver-Minnesota back-to-back, when you sit out Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for the entire second half and then don't play him the next night, that is a very cautious approach. And at that time, the Clippers were 21-20 and halfway through the season with guys like Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris playing entirely too much and Reggie Jackson being the main culprit. Why did it take Ty Lue so long to sit him? Well, I think it goes back to everything I've just said. He sees the game from an offense-first perspective and likes guards. The front office likes wings. So, moral of the story, the front office has had a certain way that they want the team to play, and Ty Lue has a certain way that he wants the team to play. And coming up, I'm going to talk to you about the second half of the season and the move that seemed to change everything. Going to be talking about that coming up. Before I do that, I got to tell you about the best app around. It's the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM app. It's the coolest game I've played in a very long time. And you know, I always wanted to be the Clippers president of basketball operations before we got Lawrence Frank saying that one day I could be in the organization and have a say and who comes to the team and how we build the roster and getting free agents and whatnot. And if you've had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own team, well, you can do that virtually on the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM app right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons, leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a dynasty. And you can deal with personalities that are challenging like Phil Jackson, hire the right coaches and assistants, medical staff, that's a big one, trade and train players, make draft picks, trade draft picks, everything. All this in a challenging and realistic gaming world. The Ultimate Pro Basketball GM app is completely free and playable offline, on the go, as you want and when you want to. Locked on Clippers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Set up your dynasty today. All right, let's continue. So the Clippers at this point of this timeline are 21 and 20, halfway through the season. My man, uh, I'm sorry, my man. Me, myself, go on my YouTube live, start going nuts about how halfway through the season, we're only one game over 500. This is not going as planned, and changes need to be made to the starting lineup. Now, I want to say this too. John Wall, I heard, and this was confirmed to me, was really mad about minutes all year. He threw apparently a huge fit in Houston. He was mad at the medical staff for limiting him in his minutes with the minutes restrictions and all that, which is totally understandable, I want to say. But he wasn't happy with his minutes. I think he thought he was coming in to play alongside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, just like Russ has come in and done, instead of Reggie Jackson. And with the way Reggie Jackson was playing, I can assume that that amounted, um, or sorry, I say that continued to build up John Wall's frustration. Now, a very key thing happened in the sixth consecutive loss in the 42nd game of the season against the Atlanta Hawks, a game that I attended. You can find the vlog on my YouTube channel. Terrence Mann was inserted into the starting lineup for Reggie Jackson. I have heard from three different people. When I hear things from multiple people, that tells me it's usually true. The front office forced his hand. Ty Lue never wanted to start Terrence Mann. The front office made him do it. 
And anytime a coach gets made to do something by people upstairs, most coaches who have egos, which they should, they're pro coaches, you've got to have an ego, aren't going to like that. And that was the beginning, even though they've already disagreed with roster construction and whatnot, this was the beginning of a lot more friction. Terrence Mann was then inserted into the starting lineup. Richard Jefferson went on ESPN and said that there are rumblings that the front office is having an impact on who's playing and who's not. This was in early January. At the time, we all dismissed him. I don't know why we did. Watch that clip again today, and you'll see, oh my God, it all makes sense. And mind you, why should we dismiss a guy that was coached by Lawrence Frank and Tyron Lue? He was coached by both of them. And we just dismissed him, which is unbelievable. But anyway, Terrence Mann then starts. Paul George is injured. The Clippers start winning games. Now, mind you, from what I know and what I've heard, because remember, Reggie Jackson actually got DNP'd a couple of games. John Wall was going to be the backup point guard. So before John Wall got hurt, right before he got traded, and mind you, I heard that the front office didn't really like what they saw from John Wall. They felt like it was a miss, you know, within a couple of months. But it seemed like John Wall was going to be the backup point guard and Reggie Jackson was going to start just being a vibes guy on the bench, which I suggested within like two months of the season. And that's when I heard everything about Reggie Jackson's demeanor totally changing. You had people tweeting that he had lost his joy, he apparently was not talking to media. And I could see, because when I go to games, you know, I'm always looking at the body language of players. And Reggie Jackson, throughout his tenure with the Clippers, had some of the best body language of any player. He was so positive. He was always smiling, always dancing. And all of a sudden, he had his hood on and just didn't smile once. It looked like, quite literally, the fun had been sapped away from him. And... You know, it's interesting because guys like Robert Covington and Terrence Mann have had to sacrifice all season, but when it comes to certain other guys, they can't accept it. And, you know, being a team player is part of understanding your role. I understand that everybody has ego and all that, but you got to understand when, you know, a guy may just be better than you or you're not playing well. And and granted, as an NBA player, as a competitor, doesn't matter if you're an NBA player, any player, you got to think you can break out of that slump. You got to have that confidence in yourself that you can play well eventually. Otherwise, why are you still playing basketball professionally or in general? You've got to believe you can do better. But at the same time, the way Rocco and Terrence Mann, and mind you, Robert Covington got paid, is paying, getting paid $11 million a year, just got signed to an extension, and Ty Lue doesn't see him super, uh, value him super highly like the front office does. But he's been a great sport throughout everything, smiling, dancing, cheering for his teammates on the bench. But the, the other teammates have not reciprocated that same energy to him but anyway the management forced Tyron Lue's hand with Terrence Mann Ty does not like it Richard Jefferson came out with a statement but one thing's for sure that we all know the Clippers started playing better basketball with Terrence Mann in the starting lineup and it started to we started to see that maybe the Clippers don't need a traditional point guard Terrence Mann was doing a good job in his role. He added to our defense, made us play with more pace. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are handling the ball more, similarly to what they did in 2020-2021. And it seemed like things were going well. Clippers had won 10 out of their last 12 games with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Terrence Mann in the starting lineup. And then we had the trade deadline. 
By the way, I also heard one theory from someone. I don't know how true this is, but do you think, and I would ask you this as well to comment, was Ty Lue trying to show the front office by overplaying Reggie Jackson that I need a better point guard? That I need this team needs a point guard, but this guy is not good enough. Was he trying to beat a dead horse to the organization? That could be a theory. I'm not going to come out here and say that's true. He could just think that, you know, as I said, guard first lens, offense first lens. Because mind you, our offense in the beginning of the season statistically was what was suffering. Our defensive rating, because Zubats had such a good start to the season, was really solid. But our offense was bad. So that's also what probably led to the overplaying of certain guards, of playing offense first guys instead of Terrence Mann. You know, Tyloo's argument could be, our offense isn't the problem. I'm sorry, our defense isn't the problem. It's our offense. So why would I play Terrence Mann more? But I think it's all interconnected. I always say good defense translates to good offense. I always think when you play defense first, it'll take everything will take care of itself. But that's a potential angle as well. That Ty Lue wanted to show the front office that, look, these point guards are, are not good enough. And mind you, I think John Wall was going to start playing a lot more when his minutes restriction was lifted. And I think his minutes restriction was lifted right around the time he got injured, sadly. And then the front office saw an opportunity to get rid of him. It seemed like not everybody was fond of having him around from, from everything I've heard. So front office then traded Reggie for a backup big man, got a younger point guard with some youth, and got Eric Gordon. And immediately in those first two games before the All-Star break, you saw that Ty Lue started uh, ending games with Eric Gordon instead of Marcus Morris. So we were complaining all season that Ty Lue needs to close with Terrence Mann. And clearly Ty Lue doesn't value Terrence Mann the same way we do. And coming up, I am going to prove my point even more with that statement. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel's giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. I really don't know who I'm going to go with um, to win this whole thing. It's as unpredictable a tournament as we've seen. But you know what? I'll let you decide. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay. Let's continue talking about Ty Lue not loving Terrence Mann as much as us fans. So I talked about the offense first lens, the, the guard conviction, and all that. But then there's also a thought in my mind that maybe he wasn't closing with Terrence Mann. And this is between like the time where he got inserted into the starting lineup and the trade deadline. But maybe he wasn't closing with him because he's like not trying to give the front office what they want. Because you get, to- I'm a guy when I grew up that I didn't like authority. You know, I was a guy that was very disobedient. And as a coach, when you have a guy trying to overstep their bounds, telling you what to do, pettiness could start. There is a chance that he wasn't playing Terrence Mann to end the games because the front office wants that. Well, I don't want that, so screw you. When Eric Gordon came, though, now we had a better option than Reggie or Senior to close games. That's offense first. 
which Ty Lue took advantage of by ending the games like against Phoenix with Eric Gordon. But it's clear that even after that, they wanted another point guard. And Paul George went out in the media and advocated for it publicly. Now, mind you, Ty Lue still wanted a point guard too. I have had that confirmed uh, by multiple people that Ty Lue also wanted a point guard. And Kawhi, it wasn't just Paul George. So even though all us Clipper fans and the front office believed in the roster after the trade deadline, because Lawrence Frank said in that press conference, he said, we thought we could make some small moves around the margins, and we did, and I think we got better. If we, and they were asked about a point guard, and Lawrence Frank said, if we knew that a point guard was out there that was in our, you know, for our asking price, we would pull the trigger. Now, a big name that was mentioned was Kyrie Irving. Clippers put an offer out for him, Terrence Mann included, Mavs did, um, Nets didn't like it. Then Fred Van Vliet. And we heard that they wanted Terrence Mann, and the front office said no. Well, I got it confirmed to me by somebody that I trust that Ty Lue was down to trade Terrence Mann for Fred Van Vliet. And based on everything I've just told you in the last 25 minutes, Terrence Mann starting the season with the least with uh, as the 11th man. Terrence Mann being forced to start by the front office. Terrence Mann not closing games. Ty leading offense first. Ty not thinking that he's at point guard in any way, shape, or form. It is totally not out of the realm of possibilities to think that Ty Lue wanted Fred Van Vliet instead of Terrence. And Fred Van Vliet is a better player than Terrence, but it's just about fit. So that's what I heard as well, and I totally believe it. Now, we go out and get Russell Westbrook. I've also had this confirmed to me by multiple people that Ty Lue wanted Russell Westbrook last season. He wanted the Clippers to trade for Russell Westbrook going into the 2021-22 season. But that would have cost a lot. And I totally back the front office for not doing that, especially coming off a conference finals run. But anyway, when Lawrence Frank said we want a point guard that can shoot, he has to be able to shoot, that was very clear that that means that he didn't want Russell Westbrook. But when we went out and got him, that told me that the players and Ty Lue won. And this goes back to the ongoing tug of war this season in many ways between Ty Lue and Lawrence Frank. The Clippers front office caved, and I think they just said, you know what, I gave you guys what you want. There can't be any excuse if we lose this year. And if there still is, I'm probably going to walk away. That's what I think Lawrence Frank said. But anyway, I've heard that the mix there was mixed reviews in the locker room about Russ I, in terms of getting him. I think a lot of the team, the people on the team wanted him. The names that's minutes were going to be completely reduced with Russ coming in were Terrence Mann and Bones Highland. And I heard from somebody, only one person though, so don't take it to the bank, from one person that Terrence Mann was for getting Russ. And if it is true, I mean, I have no comment on that. But I also heard from somebody that Zubats, and I got this confirmed from me, that Zubats didn't want him. But it's interesting because Russ actually helped Zubats' game, and he's actually one of the only players on the team that looks to pass him the ball when he sealed guys down low. So I'm pretty sure if that was true, and again, only one person, but I do trust him. He hasn't been wrong yet. Told me that uh, Zubats was going to be out against, I think it was Sacramento. And he was right about that hours before it was announced. But if Zubats didn't want Russ, I think that he's been uh, convinced now because Russ has helped his game. But I know for a fact that players on the team were not fully sold on Russ just coming in and starting, which is normal. These other players have been on the team. We were playing good basketball before we got Russ. And just because he's Russell Westbrook, he comes in and starts. 
So I know that didn't sit well with everybody, but it is what it is. Clippers then lose three games in a row. In the beginning of the Russ tenure, we lost to the Sacramento Kings in that second highest scoring game ever. We then lost to the... I'm looking at the schedule because I just forgot. To the Denver Nuggets in overtime. That was the, the peak Marcus Morris Sr. playing like terribly game. And then lost to the Timberwolves at home. That's when Marcus Morris Sr. had just lost his confidence because everybody on social media went crazy on him after that Denver game because he played in overtime. And when he played against that uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves game, that was on February 28th. I was at that game. I was sitting in the third row. He had no confidence. He wasn't even getting shots up. He was so hesitant to shoot. And when we, what, one thing we know with Ty Lue, when it goes back to Luke Kennard on the Clippers, he hates it when guys are too hesitant to shoot. And that's part of why he sits Terrence Mann, part of why he's not as fond of him uh, as we are. Because one of Terrence Mann's flaws is that he gets hesitant to shoot the ball. I think, and other fans think, that he does so many other things well that that's a minor flaw. But Ty Lue, that's a big conviction for him. He doesn't like guys hesitating. So that's just another thing about Terrence Mann's game. The Clippers now at this point have lost three in a row. We go to Golden State. An article is released by Andrew Greif, or Grief, I still don't know how to say his name, of the LA Times that right before the Warriors game, or I think it was right after, that you're going to start to see changes in the starting lineup mainly Marcus Morris being taken out of the lineup and Robert Covington playing more. That article, if I'm not mistaken, was released the day after the Sacramento loss in Sacramento. So that back-to-back. Now, Marcus Morris didn't play against Golden State. Everybody said it was an injury, but mind you, he played one game later. One, Not even one game later, one day later. So how serious could an injury have been if he's traveling with the team up north, he sits out just one game. Oh, I'm sorry, he didn't play both games. Sorry, so that's my mistake. He sat out both games, and then he played against Memphis and played a lot of minutes. I've been told by three different people, three different ones, so I know this is true. He wasn't hurt. There was no elbow injury. Maybe, maybe he had a sore elbow or something. Maybe it's something from before, but he was good enough to play. They talked to him. The front office again tried to overstep Ty Lue and say, we're going to have to take Marcus out of the starting lineup just like we did with Reggie. We did it before with Terrence Mann coming into the starting lineup, and it worked. We got to do this. Marcus Morris wasn't hearing it. Ty Lue went over to him, and this is what I've been told, and said, look, man, they're telling me that you know, you're basically cooked. <laughs> That's obviously not what he said, but like, Things aren't going well. They want you to, they want, they're making me take you out of the starting lineup. I've heard that from multiple people that Marcus Morris wasn't having it. He wasn't having it. So he said, you know what? They all agreed between the front office, him, Ty Luth. He's not going to play this road trip. We'll see how we do. We go out and get blown out by the Warriors, then lose to Sacramento. Mind you, obviously, Kawhi didn't play. So I think that made Marcus Morris's point. Look, it's not me. It's not me. The team is losing regardless. So Ty Luth plays and starts Marcus Morris against the Memphis Grizzlies. This was after the Andrew article was released that there was going to be changes to the lineup. So to hear that article come out, and he's not, listen, Andrew works for the LA Times. He's not some guy writing stuff for clicks. He had to have heard something. And that's aligns with everything I've been hearing. 
that there was going to be a change made in that Golden State game because Morris was playing terribly. He had a terrible game against Minnesota and against Denver. So he doesn't play randomly in those two games, and then he comes back and starts. So the reason why I think he started was because Ty said, you know what? I'm tired of what y'all have been telling me this season. You can't just keep doing this. I'm the coach of this team, and I'm going down with the ship, going down with my guys. And obviously, I've said many times on this podcast that Marcus Morris and Ty Lue are very close, very close. I also want to say that during that period, a couple games after the Memphis game, a good friend of mine heard from somebody who's on the broadcast. I'm not going to say who. On the broadcast, Bally Sports local broadcast for us, that Ego was involved in Marcus Morris not being taken out of the starting lineup, which confirms everything I've just been saying. Again, it's always about sacrifice till it's your turn, isn't it? That goes for Reggie. That goes for Senior. Ty Lue was willing to ride and sink with the ship against the Memphis Grizzlies. And I was at that game that night, and I felt this palpable, you know, uncertainty in the air that if the Clippers lose this game, Ty Lue may be gone. But I don't have any confirmation of that. I just want to say that. I don't know if Ty Lue's going to get fired the next day had we lost. But I'll say this. If we had lost that game, I think that the front office would have said, okay, Ty Lue's gone after this season. You know, we're going to let him ride it out, do what he wants to do with Marcus Morris, but after this, he's done. If Lawrence Frank isn't gone as well, or one of them will go, some big change was happening. Now, Marcus Morris ends up being part of the comeback that the Clippers beat the Grizzlies. So now, when winning happens, winning resolves all, right? He starts against Toronto. We beat Toronto. Starts against New York. We beat New York. Starts against Golden State. We beat Golden State. So now everything's all good, right? Then we lose to the Orlando Magic without Kawhi. After that, we play against the Portland Trailblazers in Portland. Get a big win there. But my theory is that Ty Lue playing Marcus Morris against the Grizzlies so much was an FU to the front office and saying, you know what, I'm going to ride with my guys. If you don't like it, I can go at the end of the season. Then Jake Fisher came out and said that there is a chance that Ty Lue could remove himself after the season. That was in the beginning of March. I was shocked when I heard that because I didn't think Ty Lue would want to step down. I think he likes this team. But then I received a call from somebody I trust saying that he and Lawrence Frank are not even like talking anymore. Like that it's gotten bad, which lined up with everything that I'd heard, which makes me think that someone's going to be leaving this summer. Ty Lue or Lawrence Frank. And the only way that it can be salvaged, in my opinion, is if we make the conference finals. Now, I have no confirmation of that part of whether someone's leaving or not. Jake Fisher reported something. Hoops Hype reported that it wasn't true, that Ty Lue's not going to re- remove himself. He never said that. But I think it's that's just speculation. I think Jake Fisher heard the same thing I'm hearing, that there's been a rift all season between the front office and the coaching staff, and that one of them will be leaving this summer. During the New Orleans game, the recent one, the Clippers lost by 21. Marcus Morris only played 22 minutes. That was a day after I had heard the whole Ty Lue and the front office aren't talking thing. And Ty, a couple weeks after the whole, I want to say two weeks after the whole Ty might remove himself article. Then all of a sudden, we hear that Marcus Morris is sick before the Chicago game. Midway through the game, 
you hear that he's going to be taken out of the starting lineup at long last. Pretty coincidental timing, I might say, right? Taken out of the starting lineup mid-game in a game that he's randomly sitting. Hmm. Now listen, I want to say this straight up. If Marcus Morris is actually sick and has COVID, my condolences, I hope, or not condolences, but I, I hope he wish, I wish him the best. Hope he gets well soon. And yeah, I feel, I apologize for saying all this. But I've heard from three different people that he's not sick. First, there was illness, which usually they say non-COVID related illness when they say illness. Now, going into this road trip, it's health and safety protocols. I've heard that Marcus Morris, I think the front office finally won. I think Ty Lue, I don't know who made this move. I want to say this. I've asked around. I don't know if this was the front office saying enough's enough or if Ty Lue saying enough's enough. But what I know is I think both sides realized that Marcus Morris, there's no justification anymore. But it took till game 75 to do this. And Ty Lue, I think, had the conversation with him. And again, he wasn't having it. So he's not playing. I've heard that Marcus is done. From two different people that he will not be suiting up again. That this is all a cover-up. And the reason why I say don't take everything the organization says to the bank is this. They didn't want to tell us about how seriously Kawhi was injured in 2021. All playoffs long, they were like, he may come back. We're not going to disclose the full terms. Then they announced after the season, he tore his ACL. Last season, they were bluffing whether he could come back in the play-in. All season long this season, when Kawhi had a setback with his his, uh, knee, they were saying he's day-to-day for 10 straight games. And it caused people like me to get mad at the medical staff, at the front office, at Kawhi himself. What's going on? This team in the Lawrence Frank era has made it a thing to not tell the fans things. And listen, Jason Kidd, shout out to my boy Nick at Locked On Mavs, had a soundbite where he says, I don't always tell you guys the truth. He is not the only coach that thinks that way. I wouldn't tell the media the whole truth all the time either because information is power. So in my opinion, this is a cover-up, a total cover-up to make Marcus Morris not seem like he's being a diva behind the scenes. And for Tyloo to come out, if this is true what I'm saying, look, maybe he's sick and I'm wrong. And and maybe those people are wrong that have told me this. Because I wouldn't be coming up here and saying that if I hadn't heard things. If Marcus Morris, if this is all true and Marcus Morris never suits up for the Clippers again, then Tyloo saying that Marcus was all for it was total BS and he bold-faced lied to the whole fan base and the media. And if he did that, Ty Lue's a great friend to Marcus Morris. I just want to say that. And Ty Lue doesn't throw his players under the bus. That's one thing I'll give him as a coach. But it seems like finally the front office has won. And finally Ty Lue has said, okay, I can't keep doing this. Nico Batum's going to start. Because at the end of the day, I said it on the last podcast, he's hurting Marcus Morris by playing him so much. Because now he's getting personally attacked. His social media comments are disgusting. Shame on all you fans that are commenting obscenities at him. He's a human being and he's not doing a good job playing a game because he's aging. And you want to go crazy. Ty Lue's the one that's leaving him out there to dry. That has left him out there to dry till game 75. But... Finally, I think they realize you're not doing anyone favors. Ty Lue's not doing himself favors. And look, if Ty Lue does walk away this summer, he needs to be, you know, he wants to get another job. You're not making yourself look good by playing Marcus Morris Sr. with no justification. I think why it was so long is because he didn't want Marcus, this, what's happening with Marcus Morris now, of him potentially not being part of the team, not sitting on the bench cheering on his teammates, just like they did him all season, like Covington. That makes me believe 
that Tai Lu was also scared to do this because he didn't want to lose his friends, you know. He didn't want to piss his friend off to make the front office happy at that. So from what I'm hearing, moral of the story is I don't know how true this is about Marcus Morris being sick. We could see the last of number eight in the Clipper uniform. I hope we still see him on the bench cheering everybody on because I like Marcus Morris. He's done a lot of good things for us. I want him to be part of, you know, this team at the end of the season. But I don't know. I don't know. It just all seems very fishy. And by the way, Ty Lue was asked about Robert Covington, and Tomera said that Robert Covington was going to be the new backup in that article. But Ty Lue was asked about Robert Covington being the new backup, and Ty Lue didn't answer. He said, Nicholas Patu will be our starting power forward. He dodged the question. It's very clear, too, that Ty Lue doesn't value Rocco the way we do as well. The front office signed him for $11 million per year, and Ty Lue has never fully bought into it. He tried him as a small ball five before the season, and that is not, you know, that was never going to work when you had poor perimeter defenders. So, moral of the story couple things. Ty Lue wanted a point guard. Kawhi Leonard, by the way, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I've heard, are also loyal to Mook, and that was part of the reason why Ty was hesitant to take him out. But that being said, you empowered players that weren't good enough, and I'm talking about Ty Lue, Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. You know, you didn't hold the same energy for guys like Robert Covington, Bones Highland, and Terrence Mann, stay ready type of uh, Luke Kennard, stay ready type of energy. You let them make mistake after mistake, and when it was time to take them out, their entitlement was too much at that point. They said, man, really? After everything I've done? Screw this. It's tough. Clearly, the front office and Ty Lue have been at war. Clearly, he doesn't value Terrence Mann and Robert Covington like they do. Clearly, he's an offense first mind. And clearly, Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris did not like the news that they were going to have reduced roles. Same, And John Wall didn't like that he didn't get the role that he expected. So there's a lot of ego stuff going on behind the scenes, and that's part of why you've seen the absolute atrocity that this season has turned into. But let me know what you think of everything I said. As I said, you don't have to believe anything I'm saying. This is all me putting the pieces together of information and coming up with some kind of big conclusion. Let me know what you think. I try my best. This is my best, you know, putting on my journalistic cap. But at the end of the day, there is a chance that if the Clippers do well in this postseason, Ty Lue and Lawrence Frank both come back. But I think if we get eliminated first or second round, you will probably see a change. But as for Ty Lue, I think the Paul George injury may have given him another excuse to run it back with the same team. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to Dime Dropper on YouTube for more Clipper and LA sports content. And of course, subscribe to Locked On Clippers and let me know what you thought of everything I said. Whose side are you on? The front office or Ty Lue? Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The age-old proverb continues. Thank you for listening. Go Clippers.